Welcome to episode 76 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff, and Tom Laird. I would usually ask him to introduce himself, but he usually says something ridiculous like Ming the Merciless. Now, with 30% extra Ming and, <laughs> and, and 30% less mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a good start. Yeah. So, this has been a week in news. Um, <laughs> it's been a week. Yeah, Oxfam okay. have had uh, bad press. Some homeless guy, sorry, I didn't mean to be insensitive, but a homeless guy who was knocking about the Houses of Parliaments here in the UK. Perhaps he was actually knocking about the House of Parliament. He was kind of outside. Well, he, I don't know if he was hanging outside the House of Parliament as some kind of political statement to no. say it's shocking that I'm homeless. He is now deceased. He's left the Smortal Coil. <laughs> he's left it behind. He's an ex-homeless. And yeah. he's, in, <laughs> he's now found a home in the great house in the sky shocking. or the one underground. Yeah. Finally, Trump has decided to sign off on some new... Where the fuck's the newspaper, dude? It's under my butt. One of Mr. Samarov's. Yeah, dude, one of Mr. Samarov's many skills has been able to read a newspaper with his arse. (laughs) Okay, so if the content today doesn't uh, get you the humour, most certainly well. Now, it's a sad day. We've not got um, any live viewers yet, despite having advertised this broadcast ahead of time. What are people thinking? Yeah, they're thinking. I'll just catch it up later. Right. <laughs> Trump again. Trump again. Candidate Obama. Oh, we've got two viewers now. Candidate Obama. Hi. Hi. When Obama was on the campaign trail, he went on about. Candidate Obama. Candidate Obama. <laughs> <laughs> What's that meant to mean? <laughs> just reminded me of that bit in Blazing Sandals. It was a candy gram for Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> this is why candidate Obama. This is why this. <laughs> this is the most candidate. <laughs> Sounds like a sort of, sort of nefarious dating website. You know? Candidate. That's <laughs> for uh, older men who want young, very young women. I just thought you meant like a candidate, like oh, you know, we're gonna go out to the shop and get some sweets and a piece of cake and uh, hot chocolate. Mm, a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so, know who is not innocent okay. of breaching his election promises? Uh, candidate Obama. That's right. Okay. He went out on the campaign trail saying he was going to work towards a nuclear-free world. And, How uh, successful reduce... was that? <laughs> well, let's see. He increased uh, spending on nuclear weapons more than any uh, post-Cold War president. Okay. Was that something he was like committed to oh i know by, he, by he made he made a big song and dance about working towards a nuclear weapon free world mm-hmm. he can well the america aren't exactly in a violation of the nuclear non-proliferation Proliferation, treaty yeah. however <clears throat> you could say they're against the spirit of the treaty they you, they don't actually conduct themselves in a way who formulated this treaty and who signed it um now that is a question that you're asking that I don't have the answers to. Well. So why don't you ha- why don't you <laughs> okay. Google that? I will Google. <clears throat> well, I give my spiel about candidate Obama. Yeah, well, I'll Google it on my phone. So 
and we'll come back to that. Let's see, stop us if we get too professional for you, as Tom often likes to stay. So candidate, candidate Obama, that's never going to stop being funny. We don't, we don't often get emails, emails from our listeners, even though a few hundred of you actually get catch every show, which is interesting. Uh, and yet you never email us, but I've got a feeling that we might be getting emails going, candidate Obama <laughs> at scottishlibertypodcast.gmail.com. He went all over the, the place saying how he's going to work towards a nuclear-free world, and then he earmarked $1.2 trillion. That's a chunk of change. Over a period of, well, that far exceeds his term to spend on nuclear weapons. But don't worry. Okay. Because Trump has come in and only added to that $1.2 trillion another $0.3 trillion. Okay. So as if that wasn't enough. Now, the buzz goes something like this. Oh, well, these are just tactical, tactical nuclear warheads. You know, if, if you want to just blow up, you know, tens, a couple of tens of thousands of enemy troops. They're not exactly the same. But the the um, military itself mm. is very against this decision because they're like, well, actually, we need the 300 billion. That for conventional weapons? Not just for conventional weapons, to improve our troop readiness okay. and get the regular equipment, not just conventional weapons, but there's just the general equipment that troops tend to need to get yeah. up and go, which they said they want to get the US military back to the condition it was in the 1980s when it was ready to go, it was fierce, it was powerful, and it wasn't often used. The okay. American military is just overstretched and they're not ready to, um, to respond to a crisis. That's what the military says. Okay, I find that extraordinary considering. Okay, what's the American, what, what are they involved in in terms of putting troops on the ground? Uh, Afghanistan, Iraq. But, to limit, but to a limited degree, nothing mm. near what it was 10 years yeah, but, ago. Okay, well, right. they've just replaced themselves with um, mercenaries. Yeah, yeah, with like uh, Blackwater and so forth. Maybe we should maybe we should just replace the whole military with mercenaries. Well, it's a it's an option. Um, but here's the thing. Um, well, okay, here's some stats on the the nuclear proliferation treaty. Uh, it was signed on the first of July, nineteen sixty eight, in Moscow, London, and the Washington D.C. And it was effective from 5th of March 1970. It was ratified by the Soviet Union, United Kingdom, and the United States, and 40 signatory states. There's 190 now uh, signed up to it. The non-parties, i.e. the non-members of that uh, treaty, are India, Israel. <laughs> what a what surprise. surprise. <laughs> well, they, because they don't have nuclear no, weapons, they do they? Don't. Of course they don't. Uh, North Korea. Hmm. Pakistan, but they're all out of date. And uh, why are they allowed to do it? That's just they're all out of date. All right. Well, actually, <laughs> and, that's an interesting. And South Sudan. On hmm. the point of them being out of date. <laughs> on the point of them being yeah. out of date. That was what they found out when the, you know, Berlin Wall came down and the Soviet Union collapsed. That a lot of these uh, nuclear weapons that were hyped up and they were so scared of were just completely useless. Yeah. 
and uh, it was all uh, well maybe they didn't know that beforehand but it seemed to be overhyped so what we should have done at the end of the cold war uh, was uh, packed up the troops got them home in their old kit bag yeah get get the hell out of nato Mm -hmm. which was only actually created to ensure that if there was a nuclear strike, it would fall in Europe rather than America. <laughs> I mean, they used to run uh, exercises in NATO or what would happen? What would happen if, if, you know, troops crossed the border from the Soviet Union into Eastern Europe? And you basically had countries like Germany drop out of the exercises because they were like this is ridiculous Amer what america wants to do they just basically want to use us as uh um hi to our american listeners by the way who are the majority <laughs> of our listeners yeah they just wanted to basically use europe as a human shield instead they went around what what use was there for nato they went around recruiting uh, ex-communist ex-soviet states to nato and now we can't get rid of the bugger so keep your hands to yourself i say Mm. I don't think we need any more nuclear arms. Um, yeah. I think we've probably got enough. You only need about 10. <laughs> I reckon so. Yeah, 20 at a maximum, you know, and that's enough to um, that's enough to scare off your enemies. Well, either it works, or either it deters or it doesn't. Yeah. It didn't deter Argentina from seizing the Falklands. No, it didn't. But we were unlikely to use a nuclear... I mean, we were already committed to not using nuclear weapons oh so that anything, was the problem and so anything other should have been anything other than uh a, 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 to counter another nuclear threat so you didn't just you know it doesn't matter just somebody like invading you or attacking you and suddenly you just launched nuclear weapons it was a which maybe it should have been maybe that maybe that would have deterred maybe them. that would have deterred them but and who knows i mean a weapon unused is a useless weapon uh but is somebody. it ethical? Is it ethical is it to ethical? even use the nuclear weapons? Is it ethical to use any weapon? It targets civilians. Well, well, if you think that there's an imminent threat against you, you can take appropriate action um, to, you know, to get rid of the threat. But given if you're an individual, well, if, if you're an individualist, can you justify the use of nuclear weapons given that they target? Uh, civilians and you know collectives, the people who aren't necessarily responsible. Well, if for you the can war. justify carpet bombing, you can justify nuclear. But weapons. maybe you can't justify. Maybe you cannot. Well, justify. I can't justify carpet bombing. Obviously, people did. Yeah, I mean, and still do. Yeah. So uh, did they kill as many people in Dresden as they uh, with the firebombing of Dresden as, as they, they did, did in Nagasaki and Hiroshima? Uh, I couldn't answer that off the top of my head. But they killed a fuck ton of Germans. Right, and they and killed they, a fuck ton of Koreans. I know that especially Hamburg was specifically, especially insidious. Oh, you could say that about Dresden as well, because we knew that the Germans were sent, were sending the civilian refugees, particularly to that area. That's quite monstrous. Get, yeah. Um, but, well, but people would count that it was a monstrous regime. But yeah, anyhow. Uh, Hamburg, Hamburg, Hamburg on one. the other hand, as we know, now no. Uh, the, the the decision to bomb Hamburg was based on the fact of more more bang to the buck. You could get more civilian casualties if you dropped it on the on the the working class areas of Hamburg. You'd kill as more people uh, for your one bomb as as you could. Oh yeah. And and Hamburg was not a particularly Nazi city. The the, the Nazi party didn't do well in Hamburg uh, when they were you know when they were up and coming. Hitler never even bothered his arse going to Hamburg to do any. 
rallies or, or campaigning because it was such a working class place and they, they largely rejected the National Socialists. So, yeah, um, so what happened to all the good German Germans? We bombed the shit out of them. <laughs> right. And was it necessary to win the war? Could we, would we have, would we have won the war without? Uh, you could argue that it sped it up. Mm. You could argue that it sped up the demise. Yeah, but you wouldn't like to have. Well, this is. The I thing. don't think it's true, There's though. I think if anything, bombing can actually galvanize uh, resistance. The thing is, I mean, the objectivists, acolytes of Ayn Rand, yeah. I, I'm a huge Ayn Rand fan, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that I'm an objectivist. Yeah. And I don't, um, they've got, they are. What's the difference between an objectivist and somebody who just is objective? Well, an objectivist is a, a particular philosophy. It's a particular philosophy. It has its outlook on all branches of philosophy and epistemology, which is how knowing the <clears throat> philosophical study of what we can know in metaphysics, politics, and more ethics and aesthetics. The five branches of philosophy. Okay. So it's a, a complete philosophy. Okay. Now they are broadly considered to be in the libertarian movement, mm -hmm. but they bring a different view on military action, which is you can't fight a war with one hand tied behind your back. When you get in a war, use whatever means necessary. Don't worry about civilian casualties. You don't have to go out your way. But if you need to bomb completely bomb the entire infrastructure of a country and send them back to the Stone Age, then do it. You've got a right to do it if you're a relatively free country. That is their point of view. Okay. Uh, I think it's probably, I don't think it's philosophically sound. And it's, it's you're crazy if you think that's going to make you at the risk of less terrorism rather than more. I mean, whoever you leave there is... Um, but in a way, doesn't that make... If, if, you, if you say, look, you, you don't fight a war with one hand behind your back. If you're going to get in a war, this is what you need to do. Therefore, Getting into a war in the first place should be a fucking the last thing you should you should do, right? Because that's but, what it entails. No, but it only entails that if you assume that you care about the interests of the population in general and the, the or both in your country and abroad. It doesn't entail that if you happen to be part of the military industrial complex, because your self interest uh, is to to go right ahead and sell all those weapons. Sure. So. Would, I, would, but would you, would you, how do you feel about saying, okay, if the United States itself was attacked, um, let's forget about Pearl Harbor for a minute. Let's say that America itself was attacked by Russia, by China, whoever, and troops were invading. Would you say then that it would be justified to say, okay, we have to fight this war and we fight it completely and utterly ruthlessly? Uh, I guess I would have to concede that maybe, but the thing is, do, you need to actually weigh up whether, like, bombing the crap out of Jap uh, Chinese cities full of civilians is actually going to accomplish more. Okay. So the thing is, I guess there's no there's no good war. It's best to avoid it. Um, but um, I had one more point on that. Well, well, I mean, look. So some alien species comes down from outer space yeah. and they have <clears throat> a minarchist government, you know? They're, uh, the government in their planet represents one or 2% of total GDP. 
and they come down and they look at America and they go, do you know what? Can you believe that? Can you believe they spend ha uh, one third of their life paying money to the government and taxes, one third of their life paying their rent to their landlord who only gets so much money because of government intrusion into the free market? They don't let they don't let the they don't even let their fellow human beings import food cheaper from the poorest countries on their planet, etc. They 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 spy on the America America's citizens. They don't let them do this and that and the other. What an oppressive regime. So what they do is they start bombing civilian areas in America and say, citizens of Earth, this is for your own good. Don't worry. When we come in, we're going to remove your government after killing, I don't know, a third of you and uh, or even 20% of you. And we're going to institute a free market. Is that fair? Are they benign for killing a bunch of civilians to import freedom? Um, I, Interesting. So basically, if not, then fuck off, Ayn Rand Institute. You do not have the right to do the same in Iran, which is what they keep on calling for over and over and over again. Who would have thunk the Jews at the Ayn Rand Institute are against Iran and overwhelmingly favorable to Israel? Hmm. Is that true? Yeah. I think Yaron Brook is. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, well, if, look. They run their things kind of like in a very um, hierarchical fashion. Uh, if Yaron Brook's for it, the whole organization's for it. Well, isn't that basically it's, it's modus operandi? Wasn't it basically whatever Ayn Rand said is basically the gospel? Well, that is their philosophy that um, <clears throat> objectivism is a closed system. Mm -hmm. You cannot change, add, modify, or remove it. It's finished. It's, it's yeah. closed. Uh, the Atlas Society, we've had David Kelly on yeah. from the Atlas Society. Um, they have a different view. They, they're sort of open source objectivism. Okay. You know, add your own bits if they're, as long as they're philosophically Surely they can't do that because it's already closed. Well, according to the Ayn Rand Institute, it's closed. Yeah. But okay. according to the Atlas Society... And, and they're not. They're well, not, it is almost quasi-religious then, because you get. Um, no, but you see, what you don't understand is Anne Rand was right about everything, so it's not quasi-religious. It's just what conforms to reason. So she, so Anne Rand was right, but this is why didn't Murray Rothbard basically believe that there was a cult? There was a few libertarians around that said it was a cult, and um, Walter Block says that he went to these objectivist meetings where someone would turn up and say, I've got a question on page such and such of Ellis Shrugged, you, you, you've written this, Miss Rand. Uh, what do you mean by that? And she would give her explanation. Well, what I meant was, uh, etc. And a man must live by reason. And uh, yes, and that was fine. But if someone pointed out that um, there was a contradiction in the book, they'd get a polite letter asking them not, not to attend right. any okay. more meetings. And that gave the impression that it was a cult. But I think that a lot of this culty stuff happened after Atlas Shrugged was released because um, Anne Rand was pretty sadly traumatized by the fact that she'd written a book um, defending intellectuals, capitalists, uh, inventors, creative people, the doers of the world, and when the media panned her, she 
um, she took it really personally that no one actually stood up for her. And then the whole thing started to take a cultish quality where people would think you were weird if you didn't smoke or if you didn't like the same uh, dancing and uh, music as Anne Rand did. They'd think there was something a bit wrong with you. So yesterday was Valentine's Day. I almost forgot. I prepared this uh, reading of a poem by Anne Rand. And uh, this gives you an yeah. excuse for you to do your Anne Rand impression, which is rather impressive. <laughs> to my love on Valentine's Day. Roses are red, violets are blue. Finish this poem yourself using your own faculty of reason because a man who relies on other men to do his thinking for him is abdicating the one single capacity which dis distinguishes him from other animals and therefore can hardly be considered worthy of the title of man. It need not always be so. Man has free will and at any time can choose to exercise his capacity to define his own values and finish this poem. Love. Ain't rained. Outstanding. <laughs> so we've got three viewers. We've got three viewers now. Wow, right, we better have a look and see if they're telling us if they can hear us or not. That'd what? be handy. Let's see what we've got going. What have we got? So, would on the point of anything that we've said, there are no contradictions. So saith the Rand. There That's are from no, Simeon, the free-range human. That's right. There are no. Uh, con what is it? Pa contradictions did not exist. So the question is, do we proceed on to the next topic? Are we done with Trump and nuclear weapons? No, but why, you, you didn't really, because we talked about uh, Obama, candidate, candidate Obama. <laughs> we talked about candidate Obama. We didn't talk about Trump and why, you know, why, uh, why it's Trump again and not fucking Obama again. Oh, I thought it was just for clickbait. Well, it's just Trump is... Surrounded by generals, he's writing blank checks to the military. Um, I don't really know why America needs to spend any more on the military. I mean, they spend as much as, more than perhaps all other nations combined. More than half of the tax money they collect, more than half of spending, rather, is on the military, if you count the wars. The wars edge it over half. Okay. So it's like, Seriously, you can't spend that money a little bit better. I'm sure that if they really try, they can stop all the make work programs for assembling shit and um, focus on what's. So, yeah, I mean, really so basically, as it stands, the military is basically the unemployed in uniform. Right. Yeah. It's uh, Is that what you're saying? So it's yeah. uh, kind of like uh, it's to get people off the unemployment rules. Yeah, and, and who knows, maybe they are seriously contemplating a war with North Korea. Maybe they are seriously contemplating a war with Iran. Uh, and they will need uh, a whole lot of uh, conventional troops and equipment and weaponry. And uh, yes, it doesn't look good if that's what they're thinking. Um, yeah, so are we done with Trump again? I am. I'm, I think Trump's particularly been odious on foreign policy. No more, no much more so than Obama or Bush, but neither. Well, I guess Bush. I mean, I guess isn't Trump sort of isn't he committed to certain spending uh, commitments that would have been instituted under the last regime? I know this is a, a, a usual stunt that people pull. Oh, this is all down to the last incumbent. You know. Well, he. But, the thing is, he's the thing is, he's presented himself as from outside the system the and yeah. beholden to nobody. But the thing is, he's not really 
he's not really done much cage rattling apart from pissing off the left or like pissed off for them mostly for the wrong reasons which is just um they don't like his personality they think he's uncouth they think take, he yeah. represents something that they don't like yeah well, um, clearly does his tax cut seems to have been a good idea but the thing is he might just end up like ronald reagan who attack who cuts taxes but doesn't doesn't spend i mean you know, it doesn't cut spending, so he's just kicking the can down the road. It's easier to cut taxes than to cut spending. If he delivers on his promise to reduce the number of regulations to something like 1960-something levels from 165,000 pages to 25,000 pages or whatever they are, I will be genuinely impressed. But it's not something that I, I see him delivering on. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, if you took Trump out of the picture, which somebody may, um, it's happened before, you would be kind of left with a, a military sort of junta, almost. Right. You know, yeah. the, the amount of generals he's got yeah, there. Yeah, he's got all those uh, And Mike Pence would obviously step into the presidential, and he's an ex-military guy. Um, so, yeah, how, how, how would that play out? I think that'd be a good thing or a bad thing if something nasty happened to Trump. Um, you know, if he accidentally brutally cut his head off shaving in the morning and uh, Mike Pence had to step in as president, uh, would that be tantamount to practically a military junta running America? Um, let us know your thoughts on that. And meanwhile, we'll move on to today's Metro. With the whiff of Anthony Samaroff's arse on it, and he was sitting on it earlier. For those of you that have just joined us, um, homeless man dies outside Commons, uh, and the House of Commons, House of Parliament in Westminster. Apparently, this guy. Let's let's read a little bit of this here. Tragedy sparks calls for action on rough sleeping. And it's got a picture here of a guy sleeping in the underpass in Westminster. I don't know if that's the actual guy, but it's a picture of a, a rough sleeper. A rough sleeper died yards from Parliament yesterday after a night of sub-zero temperatures. The homeless man, thought to be in his 40s, could not be revived when he was found unconscious in the underpass next to Westminster tube station that MPs, members of Parliament, use daily. Shocked campaigners said the death should shame ministers into tackling the appalling problem of homelessness in Britain. Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, whose team used to give the man food, led tributes and asked for flowers to be laid at the scene. Quote, this is Jeremy Corbyn, okay, the powerful can't carry on walking by on the other side while people don't have a home to call their own, he said. Forgive me, isn't Jeremy Corbyn one of the powerful? I mean, like, compared to me, he's the leader of the opposition. You know, he's the, he's the leader of the Labour Party, the main opposition party in the UK. He gets to stand up at the dispatch box every week and make his speeches and make his comments. He gets listened to. He gets press coverage. You know, he, he, he gets heard. He gets on the TV. He's a pretty powerful guy in that sense. So... Is he one of the powerful that he's talking about who's ignoring the problem? I mean, let's look at, I mean, first of all, homelessness is a far bigger problem than just not having a house. There's all sorts of issues. There's mental health issues. There's substance abuse issues. 
Um, there is, of course, just genuinely people who fall in bad times and they don't have a house. There's an issue in regards of social housing, there not being enough of it. There's an issue in regards of property prices being so high people can't afford homes. But there's all sorts of issues as to why people can't afford the home. Now, the government has, we've basically had welfare in the UK since the time of beverage, just after, the, after the Second World War. And yet homelessness is, according to the figures, at an all-time high. And here's another thing. When they talk about homelessness, homelessness, they've, they've redefined the word so that if you're living in a flat, for example, it's not yours, and you're maybe couch surfing or uh, you're sharing with, with more than four people in that flat, and it's the, the capacity of that flat should be four people, and you're like the extra body, then you're officially homeless. Okay, You don't have to not have a house in order to be homeless. It doesn't mean you're living on the street to be designated home, homeless. In fact, we have a member of our party who's still officially he has a home. Um, am I homeless? I don't own my own home. I pay rent to a landlord, and if at any time they want to get me out of there, I suppose they, they could. They've got to give me some notice, but they can get me out of there. Um, I don't own any property. Um, am I homeless? Uh, I'm certainly not rough sleeping. But here's the thing. Jeremy Corbyn really pisses me off, because this is a man after the Grenfell Flats disaster when the building burned down, said that we should basically uh, commandeer people's property. We should get rich people's, how he's defining rich people, probably anybody with more money than him. Uh, we should get rich people, anybody who's got more than one home, or if you're rich and you've got more than you know two bedrooms, or whatever, the government should commandeer your house and give it to people who, who needed it, who were in the Grenfell disaster. That was what he said. Now, according to the newspaper, and that might not be true. Corbyn knew about this guy, and his team knew about this guy. And yet, none of them offered the guy a bed, a room, a house. I mean, Jeremy, I mean, he's the leader of the opposition. I'm sure he earns quite a bit of money. He earns more than me. I hazard the guess he earns maybe 10 times my salary. Uh, and I'm sure Jeremy Corbyn could actually have got this guy some accommodation, if he really cared. Um, I don't know how big the Labour Party is, but there's going to be, there's got to be hundreds of thousands of members. Oh, but it's systemic. Oh, oh. It's, it's systemic. Not, yeah, it's not our job as individuals because it's the, you know, it's a systemic problem, so we need systemic Right, so because change. it's a systemic problem, you're not going to bother your arse. You're going to arm wave and deal in platitudes and make noise, but you're not going to bother your ass actually helping anybody because it's systemic and we'll try and change the system first. That might take 20 years. Minimum. But meanwhile, people will die um, because you can't be bothered to do it yourself. Now, I'm not... People say, okay, what about you, Tam? You could maybe help, possibly could, but I'm not the guy making a lot of noise about homelessness. Um, like I say, it's a complex issue. I've got to be perfectly reasonable. In the work that I do, the homeless are kind of a pain in the arse. Not all of them, but many of them are drug abusers. And I've got to clean up their shit, literally, sometimes. Uh, and many of them I meet 
I'm glad they don't have any money because then the, because they would just go from being homeless assholes to assholes with money, which means they could do even more damage. Um, and people say to me, well, nobody deserves to be homeless. Well, I fucking disagree. Okay, now there's a lot of people out there, I guarantee you, who don't deserve to be homeless. There's people out there who've just fallen in hard times or something's happened. Maybe they've been, maybe they've got mental health issues. They've been living with parents. Parents have died and they suddenly find themselves out of a home. I get it. But there's also a vast amount of people, I reckon, who do deserve to be homeless. Let's talk about a kiddie rapist, for example. <laughs> do we have to? Yeah. Why not? Uh, kiddie rapists. I mean, surely the very least that they deserve. I mean, like if you look at a hierarchy of things that should happen to a kiddie rapist, whether it be ran over with a steamroller, um, beaten to death, shot with bullets made of their own shit, um, <laughs> trampled by a herd of buffalo, uh, have their cock put in a blender and switched on. Uh, of all the hierarchy of things that should befall a kiddie fiddler, Surely being homeless is the very least they deserve. You know, not to have a home and be miserable in the street with the rain pissing down their back is surely the very least that they deserve. How about not even that extreme? I mean, I was at school with a lot of dickheads, right? Um, well, I hated school anyway, but who didn't want to learn. And that's cool. Uh, I didn't really want to learn after a while either. But what I didn't do is I didn't disrupt and annoy and bully other people who did want to learn. But these guys did that. They disrupted classes. Uh, they bullied other kids who, who wanted to learn and tried to get on in life. And they generally made life a misery for other people. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If just one of those guys, right, if just one of those assholes that I was at school with is sitting in the street with a cup in his hand, with the rain pissing down his back, there's a God in heaven, and there's justice in this fucking universe. Right? So don't tell me no one deserves to be homeless, because I fucking disagree. Okay? So anyway, that's my kind of Daily Mail type rant. Have you got anything to say to that, Anthony? Well, the word deserve is like completely meaningless, because you don't get what you deserve in life, you only get what you manage to negotiate. Like the idea of like deserving something, oh, you did something bad, so therefore something bad should happen to you, or you did something good, therefore something good should happen to you, is just a completely human concept. Um, it doesn't exist. It's not like the. Well, if you if you do a good gig, if you're a musician and you do a good gig, do you deserve applause or do you deserve to get okay. paid? I guess. Well, or do you deserve to get another gig? Well, well, again, like. It's just a, a mere matter of human perception whether what you deserve. Um, you might get it, then you might not. You might be like a really great musician and never, and no one ever ends up hearing your stuff. So it's it's really just a matter of judgment. Sure, but, you, so, but you know, if, you, if you're a you know if you're a member of the Green Party or the Labour Party or the SD, I'll put the fuck they're called these days, the Liberal Democrats, the neither Liberal nor Democrat Party. If you're a member of these parties and you, you you sit talking shit about homelessness all day, you know between the between the lawyers, there's hundreds of thousands of people there. If you all chipped in fifty quid a month, just think of the alleviation of homelessness that you could actually do. How many of you have got a spare room, a spare couch, a spare holiday home? You could move into your holiday home and give your house to a homeless person. If you want, I'm sure a lot of you are out working most of the day. 
your house is lying empty. Why not have a homeless person in it using your shower, using your kitchen, you know, having his friends round for tea uh, while you're out at your work? You know, nobody's why using your flat. Why doesn't Jeremy Corbyn employ this guy as an aide? Good idea. Give Jeremy Corbyn, that man died because of you, Jeremy Corbyn, because you couldn't be fucked to give him a job being your PA. If you'd yeah. have gave that man a job as your PA, he wouldn't be dead now. That man's blood is on your head, Jeremy Corbyn, you fucking virtue-signaling, beardy lefty fuck. Right. <laughs> is that harsh? I liked it. Okay. okay, so basically, you could have given him a start in life. You could have given him a start. And yeah, then they already him gave him food, you know? So it's like, it didn't occur to anybody. You know, this guy doesn't need food. He, needs a, he actually needs somewhere to live. I can't yeah. help but note when they talk about systemic change, oh, we need to tackle homelessness. All they mean is the government needs to spend money on houses for the homeless yeah. and stuff like that. Here are some systemic changes we don't hear about. How about the fact that if I wanted to take this flat and um, put six people up in sleeping bags in my living room for, I don't know, 80 pounds a month each six people that's a not bad earner that would yeah. more or less that would cover my rent just not quite but um do you know what i mean uh make, bump it up to 100 there you go i mean that's fine or oh, six people well then yeah i'll definitely be laughing right so they're ha they're happy enough to sleep in a mattress on my living room floor i'm not planning on entertaining any guests this week that's six people who yeah. don't need to get a flat you know what if you're a student? What if you spend part of your time at a part-time job, you have to go to uni some of the time, you spend a lot of time in the library studying, and you also spend a lot of time in bars and pubs. Yeah. You basically come back to your flat, sleep, get a sandwich, leave, and you spend most of your time at the flat. Why can't you turn your living room into somewhere where three or four people could stay? Oh, wait, it's against the law. Right. Mm. So if you just reverse all these regulations, <clears throat> there'll be less people in that position about taking up whole flats and just the laws of supply and demand will bring the house prices down. Let's look at can, some some of the other. Yeah. Can I just quickly finish off the story as reported in the newspaper? It says homelessness minister who knew there was such a thing. Uh, well, there you go. If only there was some, yeah. if only there was some yeah. government agency in charge of this kind of thing, maybe it wouldn't happen. Right now, the homelessness minister Heather Wheeler. Wonder what she gets. Wonder what her salary is a year. Right. Heather Wheeler said the Westminster rough sleeper's death was dreadful news. Adding in a tweet, stories like this push me on to find solutions and work to eradicate rough sleeping for good. How do you eradicate it for good? I mean, well, I mean, why can't someone just take an old car park and turn it into, uh, turn each floor into a little bit with a bit for someone to sleep in and a communal toilet that they can stay there for, you know, five or a night? What the fuck? What the hell's wrong with that? Well, look, well, listen to this though. A Holyrood committee, okay, Holyrood's the Scottish Parliament, if you could call it that, right? fucking Holyrood pile of shite. A Holyrood committee this week, because that's what we need. If Another there's something committee. this country needs, it's more committees. 
Um, a Holyrood committee this week recommended that a Scotland-wide Housing First scheme be introduced to help tackle homelessness. The model used effectively in Finland prioritizes a person's, a person's listen, unconditional right to a permanent home. You've got an unconditional right to a permanent home. So even if you go and spray mace in the land, yeah, so you get a home and you set fire to it and dance up and down in the ashes, saying "ha ha ha, I burnt my fucking house <laughs> to the ground." I'll do it again, and I'll do it, again. I'll do it again. You've still got a fucking permanent right to a home, you fucking giant assholes, right? Uh, without the need to engage with housing support services or several levels of temporary accommodation first. You know, there you go. You've got a right to a home. That means the government's got a right to use force and violence to make somebody else provide it for you. That's what it means. You idiots. Fucking right to a home. I don't, don't annoy me. I don't know if they're idiots or they're just wicked. I think it's a bit of both, yeah. So, of course, almost everyone would have a home by now if it wasn't for the government because between 1971 and 2011, house prices rose by 4,255%. Left to the market, well, everything else comes down in price, your laptops come down in price. Your iPhones come down mm -hmm. in price. Um, one pound, uh, sorry, an hour work on the average wage now buys a much bigger basket of shopping than they, than it did in 1971. So why is it that, let's see. Mm, okay, but how about stuff in that basket that's actually good for you, though? Well, I mean, okay, so... Relative to the amount of uh, relative to the amount of time you have to work for it, pretty much everything's come down in price, okay. with a few exceptions. Um, education, healthcare, even in a in a sense, yeah. The, the, the yeah. education, healthcare have come down in price. No, everything yeah. except. For okay, them. if only there was some sort of government organisation that would look after healthy healthcare yeah, and maybe education. They could, maybe they could bring the price yeah. down a bit, and. Um, and yeah, if you look at, if you paid the same amount for a TV in the 70s as you paid for a TV now, you'd get a much better TV. It's not even the same machine. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so why has housing gone up in price so much when you can basically create a two bedroom timber frame house for about 2,500 pounds? Because unfortunately, the price pounds. of property is the only thing keeping our economy going. Is it? I mean, does that help our economy? See, no, no, not in the long term, but in the short term, um, it's, the, it's probably the only thing that's keeping the pound afloat. So, so, okay, supposing everyone in this country had to pay half as much yeah, as they yeah. pay for rent as they paid now, and half as much for a mortgage, wouldn't they have all of that money that they're currently plowing into their mortgage and their rent instead of? accelerating it to the 1%. I thought the left hated the 1% who own uh, the property, uh, going out to the shops and buying stuff or and saving it for the retirement or anything. So everyone would be much richer if not for these government interventions. And you should check out my article on the Scottish Libertarians page. It's called The Hope of Affordable Housing. The housing minister 
should read that article. Maybe you can all email it to her on mass. The hope of affordable housing. There's a talk about all the regulations that push up the price of housing, um, zoning laws, building codes, height restrictions, green belt policies. And at the same time, the government does all these things to push people to buy houses. For example, keeping the uh, the interest rates below the market rate. Yeah. Oh, so so people can't save. So what do they do instead of saving? They put it into yeah. the they put it into property. Um uh, or the printing of money which yeah. inflates the money or the help to buy schemes. I mean, would you agree with me that if you're a homeowner, right, unless you're prepared to see the price of your property drop by half or even more. Right. You've got no right to fucking talk about homelessness. Well, pretty much, because yeah. we can solve the problem of homelessness. You just need to get out of the way. Yeah. There, there's nothing to see. There's a good video on YouTube by a guy called Muir Matheson called The Non-Violent Zone. It's about 45 minutes long. I definitely recommend everyone read him and leave a comment on the video saying, hey, Scottish Liberty Podcast recommended that. Yeah. And he's got a little segment in that where he talks about how it would be cheap as anything to put up housing for the homeless. You just put up all these tiny um, houses. But the thing is, there's laws that say there must be this amount of area around each house and, and this, that, and the other. So you've just got a situation. There's no reason why anyone, I mean, as Tam says, you might not be able to completely eliminate uh, rough sleeping. Maybe there's some people who just get chucked out wherever they go, or they just can't deal psychologically with owning a home they are they're used to sleeping on the street so that's all they know they keep on going back to it i mean there's a bunch of buddhist monks who are homeless but they seem to be completely happy with sitting in a temple meditating so do you know what i mean yeah. it's all it's all a, a, a it's all a state of mind you know they're in voluntary poverty yeah you know if you have to if you have to rely on donations to get a bowl of rice every day but hey you like sitting cross-legged for eight hours yeah. because you feel good you know, there I mean, I think what, what makes homelessness worse probably in this country is because of the appalling weather we have. Right. I mean, if it was nice weather, right. it, home being homeless wouldn't be half as fucking bad as it is. You know, you'd kept on a beach, you'd kept in the forest. Yeah, but you're not. You're not. Yeah. We don't. We have so-called public areas, public parks, and things like that. What does it actually mean that it's public owned? Does it mean that I'm I partially own it? Oh, the little house. On yeah, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that if I go and take a tent and camp there, I'll be told that I'm not allowed to sleep there. So it can't yeah. be that public. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So Well, it's owned by everybody and owned by no one. What does that... I think Hans Hermann Hoppe has got an article on, on what... Um, you know, physical removal of homeless <laughs> people. <laughs> you never know. He is a bit of a right winger. <laughs> so let's um, finish with Ox. Oxfam. 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 Now, for a while, I had a good view. Oxfam soup. A good view of Oxfam because I heard that they were very efficient in terms of the amount of money that they raised. Are they, are they connected to the UN at all, Oxfam? I'm not sure. I'll You'll check. Have to look I'll that check up. Yeah. I believe that they were. Chuntering while I check. Chuntering while I check. Someone says, uh, Rusty6899, I wish I knew I had a right to a home before I bought my flat. <laughs> right. Well, precisely, nice yeah. So the thing is, I believe that they were good at allocating resources, but when you hear, hear a charity, oh, 87% of their donations 
go to eight, helping people. Only 10% goes to advertising, 3% goes to administration. Wow, you go, wow. But just because a large percentage of that money goes to helping people doesn't mean it's spent efficiently. But I, I, I put that aside. Oxcam, they had the temerity last year to release a report telling governments that uh, it was shocking that the number of billionaires had risen and that the government should be basically redistributing wealth from the top and giving it to the bottom. And it's like, what the hell are you, what is your purpose, Oxcam? Are you a charity? Are you meant to be helping poor people? Or are you meant to be telling governments what to do? Right? Are you a pressure group or are you a charity? What? Who well, let's, let's, like, let's have a look at them. Should we have a look at what they're supposed to be? Okay, okay. yeah, please. Well, Oxfam is a confederation of, this is according to Wikipedia, Oxfam is a confederation of 19 independent charitable organisations around the world that use the name Oxfam and are led by Oxfam International. Okay, it's basically named after the Oxford Committee for Famine Relief, founded in 1942 in Oxford, England. It's uh, an international non-governmental organisation and its focus, according to its own uh, sort of PR, is poverty eradication disaster relief, advocacy, that's the sticky one because that's right. when you start um, lobbying government, things like that, uh, policy research, and for some reason pro-migration. Um, their headquarters is Oxfam International House at John Smith Drive, Oxford. They are worldwide and their mission statement is working with thousands of local partner organisations. We work with people living in poverty, striving to exercise their human rights um, well, I'm not keen on human rights, uh, they're different to individual rights. Human rights, you know, for That's example, right. human, a human right would be medical treatment, probably. You've got a right to medical treatment. In other words, you've got a right to force a doctor to take care of you if he won't. Um, assert their dignity as full citizens and take control of their lives. And they were started basically by Quakers. But their main focus originally was famine relief. So, that, so that's that's what they are right. as an organisation. So, but the thing is, why are they fo so? My my bugbear was why are they focusing on the rich? Then you're meant to be focusing on the poor. You're meant to be focusing on the poor and the economic illiteracy. Well, well, hang on, what, what, the focusing on the rich. What when they, well, if you'd been listening to my well, I was too before, busy. Yeah, no, I was, too I was busy saying that they were released a report saying it was. Um, intolerable that there was the number of billionaires had increased okay. and they started telling yeah. the government to redistribute right. the wealth okay so I'm i was okay. like well wait a second let's go back to i don't know 1820 right the beginnings of capitalism the beginnings of the industrial revolution why don't we take the wealth from those factory owners and um redistribute it oh wait look what's happened we've taken the wealth and redistributed it everyone's got an extra role they've eaten the role and now we've got no wealth and no mm -hmm. industrial revolution because we didn't allow those capitalists to reinvest the wealth and more machines and more factories to make the stuff quicker yeah. and cheaper so that people who previously, I mean, buying a garment would be a once in a lifetime event. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden people can get t-shirts that cost seven pounds or less. Sometimes. Yeah, because we've there's got, sweatshops, yeah. though. 
Oh, well, okay. Do you want to talk about that? The sweatshop, I, I think we've covered it before. Yeah, we have. But well, basically, most of our listeners actually know that. In short, in short, the economist Benjamin Powell went to the third world and discovered that the sweatshops were paying three to six times as much as those people would be earning outside of the sweatshops, which is why everyone wants to yeah. work on them. And by the way, whenever anyone brings this up, well, why should they have to do that? Bring bring up this point. Yeah. If you open free trade, if you allow any companies to operate there, then more companies will go in to take advantage of cheap labor mm. and the wages will go up because they'll start a bidding war. Yeah. Anyway, all these clothes, you the charity shops can't get rid, Oxfam charity shops can't get rid of the clothes they've got in there. Yeah. They end up getting given away. This is because the wealth wasn't redistributed. Because the wealth wasn't redistributed, the production capacities increased and increased and increased yeah. until all this stuff was so freaking cheap. But so because you're the Econo guys, because you're, well, we're not even getting into the, the nitty gritty out here, which we will. Uh, there's a reason why we're particularly talking about Oxfam, as many of you know. Could you point out to people the difference? A lot of people get obsessed with money being wealth. Okay. Uh, that's not the case. It's not you know. There's more to wealth than just having millions and millions of pounds. Right. Well, I, it depends what your definition is. At the end of the day, I mean, they count wealth in different ways. I think this Oxfam report once yeah. said that six people had as much wealth as half the world's population, but they only counted the wealth in really stupid ways, like yeah. uh, how much property they owned, and they counted people who who had a mortgage as maybe having minus wealth. I can't remember the exact okay. details, but when you actually counted it up, these six people had a, a total wealth of 420 billion, mm. which was equivalent to the amount of peanuts yeah. sold by third world countries. Yeah. So they weren't counting the phone. I mean, people in third yeah. world countries have smartphones now. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. I mean, yeah. things are getting better. In 2015, for the first time in history, less than 10% of the world's population yeah. uh, was in poverty. So and materially things yeah. are getting better. Whether people are happier now than they were, maybe they just accepted like you lost half of your kids as a fact of life, you know? Yeah. Maybe because you didn't have an expectation of anything other than uh, working on a farm all day, yeah. you accepted that and people were happier 200 years ago. I don't know. Yeah. But at least materially, the things that we measure that we want, we are doing much. We're doing far better than we've ever done in history. Yeah. There might be a little bit of yeah. you know wage wage stagnation over the last couple of decades, but these and, and taking keep taking on the money free. off of those six people and just injecting it and just splitting it up between yeah. millions of people. They'll doesn't just, solve the problem. No, that doesn't make people they wealthier. They'll just go out and spend it, and then it'll go back to the people who still own some wealth. The thing is, the, here's another important point. The reason why those people have wealth is because they've invested it in companies that make things that people want. In other words, they've shown themselves to be good at guessing what companies are going to produce things that people want. And the more successful you are at guessing that, the more wealth you, you have. And there's a good reason for that in a market economy, which is this. You don't want to waste resources. If I invest in a company that makes something that is useless, I lose that money. 
it goes to someone else. So gradually the people who are the best yeah. at guessing what stuff should be made end up with more of the pie. Now we could say there's crony capitalism, there's Mercantil government mercantilism, there's government giving handouts to big business and things like that. And you're absolutely corporate right. Corporate welfare. Corporate welfare. That will prejudice the market. No question. Maybe there's some of these billionaires who are, who are rich because not because they're good at investing, but because they're good at getting special favors for the government. But that is only an argument for separation of economy and government to stop it, to make sure that the people who are good at guessing what people want end up with the investment money to reinvest in, in businesses. Yeah. So, so that's the, that's the magic of the free market that people don't understand, which makes one drives an economist like Frederick Bastia to be an extremely religious Christian because he saw that and he went, wow, if you look at it, the interests of men are not antagonistic. The universe is created with such perfection that if everyone follows their own self-interest, to now borrow Anne Rand's words, neither sacrificing themselves to others nor sacrificing others to themselves. Somehow it works out for the benefit, uh, for the greater benefit. So, so that that's quite a, quite an extraordinary, quite extraordinary that we live in a universe that's built like that. Um, hard to explain. Yeah. So, but the, before we go, I'll let you handle the latest Oxfam scandal. Okay. Well, this is, as I say, there's a reason why we're talking one. about Oxfam and. Uh, the scandal is, okay, oh, we're going to read, the ex-director of Oxfam has hit out what he calls lies and exaggerations. And this guy, he looks a bit like Jeremy Paxman's dad. <laughs> Can <laughs> we share screens? Do you want to share screens? If you don't, if you don't know who uh, Jeremy Paxman is, he's a BBC um, interviewer, he's a political commentator. Political commentator? Interviewer. Interviewer. Yeah, he used yeah, to run the flag. He's he an interviewer, the... and he what he does is that he um, he likes to give the tough questions to politicians and people who are not currently in public favor. He likes to grill people. Although I do think that he is just he a bit of an accountable. establishment. He's a bit of an establishment shell, really. Uh, <laughs> lucky I closed all my pornography tabs now since I'm <laughs> sharing. You don't want to see the thing with the midget and okay. the, you know, and the cupcakes and the, the, the transvestite. It's just like it's probably not to your taste. This is the guy that looks like Jeremy Paxman's dad. <laughs> yeah, Roland Van Hooren worked in Chad from two thousand six to zero nine before Chad taking Kruger up or... <laughs> before taking up a job in Haiti or Haiti, everyone or Haiti, whatever you want to call it. The Ox, the former Oxfam director, the centre of a sex scandal. Uh, that has engulfed the UK charity. Some, al some allegations of his use of prostitutes are, quote, lies and exaggerations, unquote. Roland Van Hurrerer, 68, said some details were correctly described and vowed to share his version of events. He's been accused of hiring prostitutes while delivering aid in Haiti after the 2010 earthquake. A UK charity watchdog is investigating claims that Oxfam covered up the case, okay? Mr. Van Herren, who was the director of Oxfam's operations in Haiti, has been accused by a UK newspaper, The Times, of using prostitutes at a villa rented for him by the charity. 
quote, a lot of people, even in international media, will be blushing when they hear my version of the facts, unquote, said Mr. Van Oh, Van my Van version Van of the facts. Yeah. Uh, there aren't just facts. No, there's there no facts. Versions there's versions of, of facts. facts. Yeah. Well, that, I guess there's, there's probably a take on the fact. But, um, I, I, I hadn't finished reading that, but anyway. Not that I deny everything. There are things that correct that are correctly described. Well, can you be specific, yeah. please? But I also read a lot of lies and exaggerations. Party every week, chic villas, women paid for money from the organisation. Well, he doesn't then go on to say that's not true. He just, <laughs> he just asks us questions. All of these things, <laughs> all of these more, things are more I, I will not be answered at any point. And his first comment since the claims emerged, he said it was especially bad. That his family did not want to see him anymore, and that his that lawyer would bad. soon release an official well, statement. Well, maybe you shouldn't have fucked a prostitute when you were in a Haiti then. If you didn't want, if you didn't want to wait, if you didn't want. I wonder if my wife finds out about me shagging these prostitutes. She might get upset and not want to talk to me yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that might be the risk of fucking a prostitute in Haiti when you're in a position after of power that and charity. You fuck. After that, he said he hoped to be left alone. I think that's a tad optimistic of him, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to get left alone anytime soon. Uh, if only he'd asked to be left alone when he was in the 80s, maybe things could be better. But anyway, since the revelations emerged, Oxfam, one of the UK's biggest charities, has confirmed that sexual misconduct occurred in Haiti and that several staff members were dismissed or resigned after an internal investigation. Uh, Mr. Van Hooren left his post <laughs> amid the inquiry in 2011. So that's some time ago. You know? right. uh, Oxfam's deputy chief executive, Penny. She, she, I knew she'd be called Penny or Cressida or something. That's like. why they're always asking you for their spare change. <laughs> Penny Lawrence resigned in the wake of a scandal and the UK Charity Commission launched a statutory inquiry amid claims of a cover-up. Well, look. Uh, a Belgian aid worker has also been used of, accused of using prostitutes while working in the British health charity Merlin in Liberia from 2002 to 2004. Okay. Um, okay. If he's married, he's a douche. Um, if it turns out that these prostitutes are way underage, like you're talking 9, 10, 11 it's, years old, yeah, then, you know, that's, yeah, like, well, you exactly. Know. You know, what's... <laughs> Never mind resigning and getting slated in the press. Maybe you should just go to jail. Um, however, if these women were adults and... Like, I don't know. It depends how you feel about prostitution, I guess. I know that many driver... Um, you don't have to approve of that woman again. That it, that it shouldn't... That it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you know of many driver, she's that actress who hasn't been in anything for a while of note. Uh, and she looks a bit like Jiminy Cricket's sister. It's pretty um, distasteful to do it while you're working for a charity, though. Why? Especially on premises. Yeah. Well, okay. If, the, if you're if you're using the charity's money to do it, that's pretty disgraceful. Uh, and I guess, well, I suppose it's all the charity's well, money. I mean, if they're paying your salary, I suppose that's the charity's money as well. Um, but if he's using his own money. Uh, to go with prostitutes, sure he's still a douche because he was married. I'll say, but the thing, but, but it's not. Is it worth? Okay, is it worth people pulling out? Charity. Is it worth people pulling out of uh, of of the charity altogether? As many driver has done, she's resigned as an ambassador, whatever that is for Oxfam, because of this uh, disgraceful uh, behaviour. And she's also made some recently made some stupid comments in regard to the Me Too uh, bullshit as well. 
Um, I don't know. But at least, look, do you know what? At least you can do that. This is a charity, so at least you can stop giving them money. Whether that's a good idea or not, I don't know. But at least you can stop. If this was a government agency, what the fuck could you do about it? Right, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you couldn't because they're, they're they're funded at the point of a gun. Yeah. Now, I would just like to add one okay. perspective, the economic perspective, okay? I don't uh, approve of people partaking of prostitution. Uh, I, I acknowledge that on top. Apparently, Samarov in prude shock. Well, um, I guess uh, does that How make, can a capitalist does that, in a free does that make me socially conservative or socially liberal? If I don't approve, well, you're not socially liberal, but you'd probably you could be socially socialist. I've no idea. Um, um, so you know, so you don't approve of it, but you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't make, wouldn't it, make illegal. it illegal, obviously. Well, I mean, there's some situations... What is it that you disapprove of about prostitution? I just, I find it... I th I, well, do I really need to... I think it's distasteful. Um, is that what, not another what particularly, word? For, does that not just the same as you don't like yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's kind of... I think it is kind of degrading. Um, to whom? To both. To both, both to yourself and to the, and to the prostitute. Okay. Um, Can so, a woman wipe an old man's arse for money? <laughs> can, yes. Is that disgusting? Can. No. Right. Well, hang on a minute. Do you, you, can well, I finish my bloody no. thing? <laughs> right. First of all, I I, rec I recognize that it's not always the same in all circumstances. I mean, someone could be 30, 40, mm -hmm. still a virgin, uh, really short or like disabled or something where where he f uh, feels like not in a position that anyone would be interested what in. What is socially awkward? A, a just a normal sure. guy who just can't, you know. Who can't get their Who home. can't get laid. I'm not against people doing it. I just yeah, but okay. So why do you think this? Okay, but, because I just think it. Uh, yeah, because I think it's. You say this degrading. degrading. Okay, so, so is, is a woman wiping an old man's arse? Degrading? No, she's doing. A, he, she's, you know, that guy can't wipe his own arse. Well, he can't suck his own <laughs> cock either. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, right, I, guess, so, I guess that would be a mitigating circumstance as well if it was some old guy getting a prostitute because he. But what, could, yeah, so all I'm saying is, why is it why is why is right. it all right for to wipe an old man's ass for for ten quid an hour, but she can't masturbate him for a hundred quid? I, again, like I, th I think if it's masturbating him is uh, again another deviation <laughs> deviation below <laughs> um, full penetrative sex. Um, but I would say that anyway, you guys at home tell me. Why I am why why I find it distasteful. No, it's fine to find it distasteful. Just trying to get the bottom do. of it. A lot of people do. I find right. smoking distasteful. Right. But I don't find it doesn't Here's mean that it's deviant Some or, or degrading. I think well, okay, we'll need to think I'll need to think about it more. Do you know what? Do you think we should have a a a, a whole show on prostitution or something? Well, let the viewers yeah. Tell us. Do you want us to do a whole Especially story? if you are a prostitute, because uh, that could be handy for all sorts of reasons. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Right. Uh, I know that the, the Libertarian Party, we, we had uh, a sex worker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we prefer the term sex worker than prostitute anyway. Um, if you are a sex worker, uh, or you know a sex worker, and they'd be willing to come on the show and talk about it and tell Mr. Samarov why it's not degrading, um, then I'd love for that to happen. So Let's Lewis Duncan says, do they not own their own bodies, though? Of course they do. Yeah, that's women why, can do what she wants why, their own that's, right to choose what she's yeah, doing with her body, why except... I'm not, yeah, that's not why, why <laughs> yeah. I'm not making, for making it legal. 
Now, to continue my original point, okay. um, some people, many people find it distasteful. They would say it's more distasteful because of the power and wealth differential between this guy and the average person in Haiti. But now I want to ask you one important question, and this is where I get controversial. Okay. Compared to what? Okay? If he can go there and bring wealth to this poor girl, um, is that better? Okay, she has to tolerate having sex with him. Many of you will find that distasteful. I do myself. Maybe she's got a fetish but, about Jeremy Pax. And yeah, and yet, <laughs> It can be distasteful and yet still put her in a better position than she otherwise would have been. Just the same as, you know, in times gone by, you know, no one wanted to go down a bloody coal mine. Yeah. Well, you go down the bloody coal mine, you get the money and you can feed your family. No one wanted to do it, but it still might put you in an advantageous position, even though you don't yeah. want to do it. So that's all I've got to yeah. say. I was, that I was just thinking that that dude, he, 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 he kind of looks like a, he's more than Jeremy Paxman. He looks like a weird combo of Jeremy Paxman's dad and Richard Littlejohn, the, 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 the former son and male columnist. He's got that kind of coupon on him. Uh, do you think he looks more like Richard Littlejohn or more like Jeremy Paxman's dad? Let us know. I'm sure we'd be interested. Um, there's one thing I'd like to dip into before I go. I received this through the mail uh, just the other day. Um, you can see that if you can. They probably Who can. gives a shit? I'll read it anyway. And it's a survey of Scottish local election candidates. I stood in the Scottish elections of uh, 2016, no, 2015, and I stood in local uh, council elections as a libertarian candidate. And no less than Strathclyde University, Humanities and Social Sciences Department, didn't you? Outrageous. It's an outrage. Um, we should contact them. Anyway, so they've sent me a survey. To fill in. I don't know if I've not decided whether I'm going to do it yet, um, but it's quite comprehensive. And one thing that they're particularly interested to know is um, when, oh, hang on a second. Uh, during 2017, there have been several press reports about candidates standing in various elections experiencing harassment and even security threats. Did you personally experience any form of inappropriate behavior? harassment or threats to your security. Now, guys, if you're going to do this, you have to define what you think harassment is, okay? Some people, believe it or not, might just find somebody asking them awkward questions. <laughs> yeah, he harasses me the whole fucking time, the little bastard. So um, you're, going, you're, going, what, you're going to work it. You're going to say, look, when we talk about harassment, we mean this specifically, okay? Something you but can in, catch I mean, a video inappropriate camera. behavior. I mean, what the fuck is that? You know, you need to define what, I mean, my sense of inappropriate, that's definitely inappropriate. Um, my <laughs> view of what's inappropriate that. might not be somebody else's uh, view of inappropriate. So you really got to de define that when you send this out, uh, Strathclyde University's humanity. What the fuck's a humanities department? But anyway, um, the, oh, the, oh, the humanity. Um, so yeah, please define these things because it's, it, we're living in perilous times. When Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, is talking about bringing in a law specifically against harassing or intimidating politicians. That's dangerous. It's the least of what they deserve. <laughs> well, yeah, back to the guy in the street. They, maybe they deserve to be homeless. But no, um, I mean, we're celebrating the, suffer the insufferable suffragettes. 
I know Emily Davidson threw stones at uh, the you know ministers and things like that, you know, and kind of tried to set fire to post offices or post boxes or whatever it was and all that. She, but our bit, suffragettes were basically terrorists. But, uh, <laughs> they were. They, they were. Um, certainly by today's standards, they would definitely be terrorists. Um, so anyway, it, we get in any perilous territory if we start if we don't define what harassment is because if you just confront a politician and say, you know, why did you do such and such a thing? And they don't give you an honest answer, and you keep asking them, is that harassment? Are you going to get put in jail for that? Is it harassment? Is it? Is, is, it, it, is it harassment? Is it harassment? Is it? I've got to push you on this. Tell us, is this harassment? Is it harassment? So, yeah, so Strathclyde Union, I've not decided whether I'm going to fill in your form yet, but you really do need to get define that sorted and define your terms. Otherwise, it's a whole load of bullshit. Until uh, next I, well, week. Hang on, Sam, do we have a look at some more comments before we fuck off? Harassment, you can't question what my agenda is. Yeah, basically. Someone I think that's, says, that's Lewis Duncan who says that. that yeah, I think that's, that could possibly be it, yeah. So that's... Is that it? Just read, kind of, oh, yeah, the, the free-range so, human, you can fuck off, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was replying he to, to another comment. All right, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, next week should be 3 p.m. UK time. Should be. Um, We're a bit late the, today because of the my USA, fuck whatery. If you're in the USA, find USA, out USA, what USA. time that is for you. Tune in live. I know a lot of you listen to our podcast feed, but it would be nice Tune to have a little bit. Time. Until then. Don't be, uh, what do we usually say? Be libertarian. Be a libertarian. Don't be lefties or, or righties. righties.